If you're passionate about Basset Hounds, this podcast is for you. This is Wobegon, the Basset Hound Podcast. I'm your host, Don Bullock. Welcome to Wobegon, the Basset Hound Podcast. This is episode one, which includes our first dog, Ruffy, and first Basset Hound Maggie, where Basset Hounds originated, a great source for up-to-date health information for Basset Hounds, information on Basset Hound Rescue, a listener's questions, and more. I'd like to remind everyone who's listening to the audio version of Wobegon, the Basset Hound podcast, that show notes including photos of each episode can be found on our website, wobegonbassets.com. Pam and I have had Basset Hounds in our home for over 45 years. In 1976, we bought our first house and moved in on our fifth anniversary, August 7th. The very next day, we were at the closest animal shelter to look for a dog. Pam had grown up with dogs, but this would be my very first. We saw all the dogs at the shelter, but fell in love with a beagle mix. According to the information supplied by the shelter staff, He was a mix of Beagle and Australian Shepherd, but no information as to where he came from and why he was surrendered was available. He was the size of an Australian Shepherd, but looked a lot like a Beagle. We named him Ruffy. I think Ruffy was less than a year old, but no specific age was provided by the shelter. Ruffy was a wonderful dog. Looking back, he was perhaps our most obedient dog. He learned quickly he couldn't enter the house from our large covered patio without permission. Ruffy was perfect for my first dog because he quickly became my devoted companion. We spent many weekends on the couch watching football and baseball games. Ruffy followed me everywhere and even often rode with me in the front of my VW Squareback whenever I made quick trips to the store. Ruffy loved playing in our large backyard. One of his favorite activities was chasing squirrels. While he never caught one, Ruffy came close. Oh, and he chased the shadows of butterflies across the lawn, and sometimes he actually noticed the butterfly and chased them too. Another thing that Ruffy enjoyed was catching a youth-sized football when someone threw it to him. You know, not one of those little dinky ones, and of course not a professional size, but somewhere in the middle. He'd catch the football with his teeth and take it back to the person who threw it. There were very few times that he missed catching it. He was really good at it. That football was one of his favorite toys, and he eventually chewed both ends off of it. I think because Ruffy was so devoted to me, perhaps, and because we thought he was lonely during the day while we were at work, the next year we decided to go back to the shelter and look for a second dog. For some reason, Pam and I decided that we were specifically looking for a basset hound. Why we picked a basset has been lost in our minds, but that's what we wanted. As we walked through the shelter and came almost to the end of the runs, there she was, a beautiful Basset Hound girl. The sign on her run had just her name, Maggie, and breed, Basset Hound. Pam called her name and she came running to the front of the run with her tail wagging. If Bassets can smile, Maggie did. Pam immediately decided she was ours. No one in the shelter had any idea where Maggie came from or why she was there. From what we learned later, that's very common for shelter dogs. Sometimes, even if they know and have all the information, they don't share it. Knowing what we now know about Basset Hounds, we realize it was very likely that Maggie was well-bred for looks. 
She was indeed a beautiful basset hound with a lot of what breeders call type, heavy bone, loose skin, and long ears. But we also learned very quickly that she had one big flaw, a very poor temperament. It was obvious that her breeder only bred for looks. This caused a lot of problems with Maggie. According to the AKC standard for basset hounds, in temperament it's mild, never sharp, or timid. Bassets were bred to live and hunt in packs, so mildness in their temperament was very important. Maggie definitely tended toward the sharp and harsh temperament, especially when it came to food and attention. She'd quickly pick a fight over attention and food, including treats. That type of temperament would have never been tolerated in a pack situation. For the most part, we were able to keep Maggie under control. She actually could be very sweet and got along very well with Ruffy most of the time. They played well together and enjoyed each other's company. Both of them even slept on our bed with us. It was interesting every evening as Pam and I got ready for bed. Either Ruffy or Maggie would jump on the bed first and settle down on our pillows. Whichever was second settled at the foot of the bed. While Ruffy got the pillows most often, he did give in to Maggie if she got there first. We never really had any issues with the bed. We really worked hard at getting Maggie to share attention and treats. She was usually cooperative, so fights were very rare. Pam and I could easily see, however, why Maggie would have never been good for most homes, especially one with children. We figured her temperament issues were the main reason that Maggie ended up in the shelter. For us and Ruffy, Maggie was a great addition to the family. For an example of how gentle Maggie could be, one day she came up to me and I could tell she had something in her mouth. I'm sure all of you know that look that Bassets get when they're hiding something in their mouths. I gently opened Maggie's mouth and found a baby bird. I quickly located the nest they'd fallen out of in our pomegranate tree and returned the bird to it. When the adult bird returned to the nest, everything was fine, and the baby continued to grow and flew away a few weeks later. Maggie loved to play with the sticks she found out in our yard. One day, I was watching TV and heard a loud banging noise outside. When I got to the door, I saw Maggie was trying to bring a long stick into the enclosed patio through the doggy door. While holding it in the middle, the stick was sticking out both sides of her mouth. After she tried several more times, I watched as Maggie put the stick down, grabbed one end of the stick, and dragged it through the door. Obviously, Maggie was a pretty smart girl. Even with her temperament issues, Maggie sealed our love for the breed as well. We were totally hooked on Basset Hounds. In the next episode, I'll tell the story of our second Basset Hound, Lucy. She was our pet store dog. Yes, I know today that's not a good idea, but back then, the general public, including us, didn't know that. One of the features I'd like to include in each podcast episode is the history of the breed. This is an area I've studied and feel is very important to all purebred dogs. It's also a very interesting topic. The where, when, and why of all purebred dogs is important because it's what sets each breed apart from all the others. For this initial episode, I'd like to say that many of the stories and information that some people think are true about the history of Basset Hounds cannot be verified or simply not true. I'll also add that much of what is true is even more fascinating than some of those false accounts I've read. 
One fact that most people don't know is that at one time there were at least a dozen different Basset breeds in France alone, and more in the rest of Europe and elsewhere. In 1585, the first mention of Basset or Low appears in Jacques d'Anthelio's book La Vignette or The Hunt. In the YouTube version of this podcast, I show an actual page from this book. The last paragraph on the page states, It should be understood first that we have two species of Bassets, of which we will say the race came from the countries of Flanders, which is now a part of Belgium. The next page in the book talks about the collars that the dogs are wearing, as shown in the drawing that's included on this page. It states that they were necessary to control the dogs. In the book, he described a hound used to hunt badgers. He specifically notes the crooked leg, smooth coat hound that worked best in the undergrowth. Photos of the pages from this book are included on our website. You might want to check them out. Any hound lower than 16 inches was called a basset. Basset means low in French, so basset hound simply means low hound or low set hound. The breed we know as registered by the American Kennel Club and Canine Registries wasn't officially named Basset Hound until they were imported into England in 1866. Oh, and some other French Basset breeds have survived as well. I'll be mentioning some of them in future episodes because they are often mistaken for being types of Basset Hounds. In future episodes, I'll delve deeper into these historical stories and information. In each podcast episode, I plan to discuss part of the AKC standard for Basset Hounds. It's a written description that sets them apart from all other breeds of dogs, especially other low-to-the-ground breeds. While I realize that many, especially those of you who have rescued a Basset, may not think the AKC standard is important, in my opinion, this is information that all Basset Hound owners should be aware of as it relates to their Basset. I also know that many of you who have rescued a Basset Hound eventually consider getting a well-bred Basset sometime in your lives. Knowing the standard will help you make a good choice of breeder and puppy. In my opinion, all Basset Hound breeders should breed towards the Basset Hound standard that is recognized by the dominant registry in their country. In the United States, that's the American Kennel Club or the AKC. In most of Europe and much of the world, the recognized kennel club is the FCI. And in much of the United Kingdom, they have the Kennel Club standard. Canada, our neighbor to the north, has its own breed standards, but again, all of these standards are very similar, especially for Basset Hounds. As I'll discuss in future episodes, the FCI standard and the Kennel Club standard are the same because the origin of the Basset Hound breed is considered to be England, not France. That last fact is part of a segment of podcasts I'll call Standard Myths. These are things that people think are part of the standard of our breed, but actually aren't. While this myth isn't actually part of the Basset Hound standards, it's still somewhat connected to them. The reason the FCI recognizes the Kennel Club standard is it goes back to the history of Basset Hounds. Prior to the introduction of Basset Hounds in England, there were two separate breeds of Basset Francais in France. They were eventually combined to create a breed we know today. According to the FCI standard, quote, the Basset was reputedly bred by monks in France in the Middle Ages to hunt in heavy cover and is able to hold its nose close to the ground. Though related closely to the entire family of French Bassets, the breed was developed to perfection in Britain, unquote. 
In each podcast episode, I plan to provide important information regarding the health of our breed. The health of our breed is of paramount importance. With veterinarian bills rising exponentially in recent years, we need healthy dogs. In this episode, I'd like to recommend a source for all of you to consult on Basset Hound health issues. I'm often amazed at what I read on some websites and books about the health issues of our breed. The Basset Hound Club of America has recently conducted extensive research regarding the health of Basset Hounds and has established a source for information on their website. The club's statement on the health of our breed states, The health and welfare of the Basset Hound is an important concern of the BHCA, its members, and the Basset Hound Club of America Foundation. The BHCA encourages research into issues which may sometimes occur in our breed. It is the responsibility of the Health and Research Committee to bring definitive information to the attention of the club. In the Health and Research section under the menu tab about the breed, the BHCA provides an abundance of health-related information and links to information the Health Research Committee has found to be accurate. Rather than just using Google or another internet search engine, I'd suggest that you use this outstanding resource for researching Basset Hound health issues. According to the BHCA, quote, the Health Research Committee provides up-to-date information on health concerns and best care practices for the Basset Hound to BHCA members, Basset Hound owners, and to prospective Basset buyers. It also hopes to help reduce risk of health issues by encouraging careful breeding practices, end quote. So this valuable information that's provided by the BHCA is for all club members and Basset owners, as well as those that are interested in our breed. You don't have to be a member to go to their website. Just recently, the BHCA webmaster has stated that he and the health committee are working towards optimizing the content on the website's health pages to try to bring more visitors to the website. It's already an outstanding resource for the health information, so it will be interesting to see what changes they make. Again, I highly recommend this section of the BHCA website for all those who own or are thinking of owning a Basset Hound. The website for the Basset Hound Club of America can be found at basset-bhca.org on the internet. There's also a link to their website in the description of every podcast episode, and you can find a link on our website as well. One thing to include here is that since Basset Hounds are purebred dogs, we can know a lot about their health issues. Groups like the BHCA Health Committee can study the subject of the health of our specific breed. Veterinarians and researchers can also contribute to this health information because they can add information that's specific to our unique breed. Unlike mixes that can inherit health issues from two or more different breeds, we know what to look for in our Bassets and breeders can do their best to avoid passing along health issues when possible. I'll have more to say on this facet of dogs in the future episodes, but this also dispels the myth that mixed breed dogs are healthier than purebreds. It's impossible to research health issues for mixed breeds because there is no way to determine which breed the health issues may have come from. This includes all the current popular mixes. As a result, there isn't any data that supports that myth. 
While with purebreds, we have an enormous amount of information regarding health for each specific breed. Whenever I receive questions from listeners, I'll set some time aside to answer those that I think the majority of you would like me to answer. If you have a question, please go to our podcast page on our wobegonbassets.com website. There's a link for leaving audio questions, and I have a link for email questions as well. Now, a question comes from a listener that would like to remain anonymous. I have read that Bassets can have resource guarding issues and was wondering if that's just isolated incidents or a tendency in the breed. Well, first of all, that's a good question, and I appreciate you asking it. To start my answer, let me quote the breed standard. In temperament is mild, never sharp, or timid. The never sharp part of the temperament of a Basset Hound would point to a dog that doesn't guard things. I agree that's not enough information, though. To further address your question, we need to look at the breed historically. We know that Basset Hounds were bred to hunt in packs. We have this quote from a book from many, many years ago. With his long ears helping to stir up the scent, packs of bassets were used to drive small prey such as rabbit and hare from dense undercover to open terrain where the hunters could move in for the kill. Certainly in such a situation, guarding resources wouldn't be tolerated by others in the pack or the hunters. In our experiences with basset hounds, only Maggie, that I mentioned earlier in the podcast, guarded resources. She was either poorly bred or poorly socialized, and her issue certainly isn't indicative of the breed. Now, I'll add to that by saying we feed our bassets separately. Each one has a specific spot in her home where they are fed. It's something I recommend to help prevent food guarding problems, but more importantly, by feeding them separately, we know how much each dog eats. We can also mix in medications into their food. Another question from the same listener. I needed to know in general how they react to cats. Do they generally get along? If they do chase them, do they try to hurt them, or is it just for the chase? Well, unfortunately, Pam and I don't have any cats, nor have we visited friends who have both bassets and cats. If any of you are listening have experience with both and want to share an answer, I'll include the answer in a future podcast, and I appreciate that. Thank you. The viewer questions from this episode came from either our Facebook page or Wobegone Bassett's website. I'm not sure which one they came from. The website is something that Pam and I have established to provide a place where people could find accurate information about the breed. And of course, we want to brag about our Bassett's. While we did use the website to announce litters or puppies, we never sold through the website or over the internet we didn't feel that was something that reputable and responsible breeders did. In future podcasts, I'll provide my opinion on what separates reputable, responsible breeders from the rest and why that's important. For now, there's information on the topic posted on our website, including a video we produced on the topic. That video and some of the other Basset Hound videos I produced are also available on our Wobegon Basset's YouTube channel, where you can find the video version of this podcast. Remember, this is my opinion, and the opinion of others may differ. Even though Pam and I are no longer breeding, we left the website on the internet as a resource on Basset Hounds. We're also still bragging about the dog show wins and group placements that our girl Emmy has. She was bred by our friend in Florida, Jeffy Casey, in 2020. 
Our website has many photos of all of our AKC champions and grand champions, plus a lot more about us. There's even some information and photos on Ruffy and Maggie that I talked about earlier in the podcast. Over the years, Pam and I have supported Basset Hound rescue efforts. We feel it's very important for us to do so as fans of the breed. Many years ago, when I was first elected to the board of directors of the Basset Hound Club of Southern California, one of my duties was also to be on the board of the Basset Hound Rescue Organization that our club founded. That organization was formed by two club members, Barbara Dunning and Katie Nestle, before the term rescue was associated with finding homes for unwanted Basset Hounds. These two Basset Hound breeders worked hard to find homes for unwanted Bassets. Fairly soon after they started their work, the club founded an official rescue organization sponsored by and operated by the club, with the club officers serving as the organization's board of directors. Sometime during my term on the board of directors, at the request of the volunteers who were conducting rescue efforts at the time, the board voted to allow the rescue group to become an independent from the club. The club, however, still contributed to their rescue efforts. Pam and I also have personally helped support rescue organizations. Just recently, we received a package from Don Smith out of Daphne Land in Bassett Rescue Network, or Barney. The package contained an umbrella that Daphne Land was using for a fundraiser. When I sent Don a message thanking her for the unexpected gift, she responded, After sponsoring a dog run at Daphne Land for more than 20 years, I thought you deserved one. For those of you who are unfamiliar with this kind of donation, it's $100 per month to have a sign with our names attached to the dog run gate. It's one of the very first checks that Pam writes every month. Yes, we we quickly did the math and were amazed at the total. I'll let you figure it out for yourself if you're interested. We found this to be a very great way to support the rescue and rehabilitation efforts out of Daffyland. Of course, we provided other help over the years. When Pam and I moved after we retired, we decided to pare down our Basset Hound collection of different items and donated a lot of things we didn't want to move to Barney and Daphne Land. I know they made a lot of money on the raffle baskets containing many of those items, and some were auctioned off too, a few at high prices. We're still sponsoring the dog run and making additional donations to rescue. Both of us are very instrumental in the Basset Hound Club of Southern California's rescue efforts as well. The club donates a lot of money to Daphne Land. Something I'd suggest you look into is AKC TV. The American Kennel Club has created its own online streaming service that's free to everyone. It covers a lot of information related to dogs and activities that people can do with their dogs. One series on AKC TV's site is called Good Dog TV. They already have 26 episodes for 2023 alone, and they're all well produced. The subjects vary, but you can easily pick and choose the episodes that you'd like to watch. Check it out. My special thanks to the listener who sent me the questions for this initial podcast episode. I hope to make this an important part of future episodes of this podcast. If you want to know something about Basset Hounds, please don't hesitate to ask. Remember to go to the podcast section on our wellbegonebassets.com website to submit your question. You can either submit it by recording an audio version or simply sending an email question. I hope you enjoyed learning about my first dog, Ruffy, and our first Basset, Maggie. I have a lot more stories to tell you about our dogs. 
In each episode, I'd like to share a quote about dogs. I couldn't have found one more appropriate for this episode than this one by Caroline Knapp. Before you get a dog, you can't quite imagine what living with one might be like. Afterwards, you can't imagine living any other way. I certainly can't imagine what it would be like without our Basset Hounds. For those of you listening to the audio version, I'm including a photo of one of our dogs with each of these quotes. The first one was of our girl, Joy. Joy was a wonderful girl. She was from our very first litter. Joy was a champion and one of the first grand champions in the United States. In fact, she became a grand champion after she had two litters. From those litters, we had six champions, which qualified Joy for the Basset Hound Club of America Register of Merit, which is a great honor. We're very appreciative of the BHCA's support for reputable and responsible breeders and their ongoing efforts to protect our breed. I encourage all Basset Hound owners and lovers to support the BHCA by joining and becoming active in their efforts to preserve our wonderful breed. Show notes for this episode are on the website along with photos that were included in the YouTube version of this podcast. In episode two of Wobegon the Basset Hound podcast, I'll be sharing our one and only pet store Basset, Lucy. The differences between European and American Bassets, a recently discovered serious health issue in Basset Hounds, a good example of inaccurate information that I found recently on the internet, and more. Remember to like this podcast on YouTube and give it a positive ranking wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have friends who either love or have Bassets, let them know about Wobegon, the Basset Hound podcast. And thank you all very much for listening. Wobegon, the Basset Hound podcast is published in visual form on YouTube the first Monday of every month. A full-length audio version of each episode is published one week later wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our Wobegon Bassett's website for show notes including photos from every episode. You can also find links to the podcast plus information on Don and his wife Pam plus their Bassett hounds. Wobegon the Basset Hound podcast is produced, researched, and hosted by Don Bullock. The music is Do Your Ears Hang Low played by Nasrality from the Philippines. It's available royalty-free on Pixabay. Please give this podcast a thumbs up on YouTube and a high rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, this is Don. Thank you very much for listening.